0: Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Connect with Carrie through her candid, often funny, and always informative weekly blog. There, you'll read, learn, and make comment about her life as a 21st century wife, mother, daughter, and entrepreneur. And now it's time for Carrie to get all up in your business.
1: Thank you, son, Gray. Before we start, I want to let you know if you miss any part of today's show or want to hear it again or share it, there's a way, and Gray will tell you how.
0: Listen to all UYYB past and present interviews by going to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy's mm-hmm. YouTube channel, the Democrat Gazette's digital newspaper flagandbanner.com's website, or subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen by searching Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. And if you would like to receive timely email notifications of each week's upcoming guests, go to flagandbanner.com, click Radio Show, and join the email list. Back to you, Carrie.
1: Thank you. If you've lived in Little Rock over the past 10 or so years, then chances are you've heard of my guests, the two Jewish guys, Phil Kaplan and Leslie Singer. Though the two men have a lot in common, they haven't always known each other. Leslie Singer, an ad man and once VP for Fairfield Communities near Hebrew Springs, Arkansas, and Phil Kaplan, a civil rights attorney in private practice, first meeting was as volunteers at an on-air fundraiser for KUAR radio station. They became fast friends, finding out they both were born in the Northeast, both moved to Little Rock in the 1970s, and both grew up in the Jewish culture. On air, their commonalities and dry humor, coupled with listeners' curiosity, made for great storytelling and Jewish shtick. So much so that their popularity grew, and the Christmas charity event called the Two Jewish Guys Hanukkah Show, A Little Rock Christmas Tradition, was born. But Leslie Singer and Phil Kaplan are more than their stage names suggest. Along with being the endearing two Jewish guys, they are a combination of savvy businessmen, musicians, activists, and more. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table the smart and fun-loving two Jewish guys, Adman Leslie Singer and attorney Phil
2: Kaplan. Hello, Carrie. Hey. Wake
1: up, Phil. I know I'm messing you up over
2: there. <laughs> no, I'm quite happy to be here.
1: Talk about how Happenstance, first meeting at KUAR's fundraiser,
2: well there's a yiddish word bashert it's faded bashert can you say bashert 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 well we were obviously faded see i had an office on what was then the main street mall and um i'd go out and maybe get a little lunch and leslie was an inveterate walker he was walking
3: I was always walking
2: he was always walking and he was walking on the main street mall and i'd see him on the main street mall and he was there with Don Evans, a now retired architect who is not very funny, actually. So, I don't. I'm sorry I even <laughs> mentioned his name. <laughs> um, I, at any anyway, makes me laugh. So I saw um, I saw Leslie and this other fellow, and um, we would uh, chit chat um, occasionally. And then one day, I had been doing the um, the fundraiser with somebody else whose name I now can't recall, and uh, they inserted Leslie. They didn't think I could handle it by myself, so they inserted Leslie into this uh, cramped little room, and uh, it was magic. It was Bashirt. But let
3: me, let me tell you a the, the little more detail about it. So we're in the room. It's the fundraiser, you know, t- twice a year. For and KUAR. For KUAR Public Radio. And um, other, they do that all week, and so every day of the week they have several other hosts doing the same thing. Those guys, basically, or women, would they'd come in and they'd basically beg for money, and it was kind of boring, you know. And it wasn't boring, kind of. It was, it was exceedingly. <laughs> it was kind of exceedingly boring, and we said, let's not do that. Let's. Why don't we just do this? This was all in the spur of the moment. Why don't we just do a show? You know, like you're a little kid. Hey, let's do a show. (laughs) So we said, okay, let's do a show about being Jewish. And we'll just call it the Two Jewish Guys. And we will just (laughs) ad lib our way through it. And we'll talk about what it's like being Jewish and our Jewish backgrounds and a Jewish culture and Jewish jokes, blah, blah, blah. And we did that. And it it was pretty big. I mean, people really liked it. A lot of people called in. And, you know, the deal was, if you had done this in New York, nobody would have cared. But it's not that common, you know, to have two guys talking about being Jewish or Judaism. or no, were
2: aberrations.
3: Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it was lighthearted, and we were making fun of ourselves, and we were making fun of everything. And so it clicked. So they asked us to come back and come back, and we, at one point they said, um, how about you guys do a live show? And this was not at the Clinton Center yet. This was, like, at one of the buildings at UALR. It
2: was at the Extension Center. Yeah. Extension Center is where um, the people who need farming help or gardening help, that, that kind well, of thing. It's the it was alien to me.
3: Well, it had nothing to do with <laughs> that. It had to do with the fact that it was a little auditorium. So we went up there live, and we did this thing in front of, like, 75 people.
2: No. Ten. Ten. <laughs> Really, ten people. It seemed ten people. I guess it was a
3: small room. It seemed more crowded to me. <laughs> so we did it, and everybody loved it. And we had our mothers on. You know, my my mother was in the audience. I think your mother was in the audience. No, right?
2: my mother was by phone. I think. Oh, at that anyway,
3: point. <laughs> it it still caught on, and it was a lot of fun. Finally, the station just said, "Let's keep doing this." Then they moved us over to the Clinton Center.
2: Didn't we do it at the Dara? Lib- yeah we did library. it the next year was
3: at the daryl library oh, right we never got to verizon this has been a sad story <laughs> it for has me. it
2: has i regret not it. even
3: robinson auditorium
2: i regret well we were at robinson we, auditorium
3: we we, we we appeared with the symphony at you know as one of their holiday acts the two jewish guys a little rock christmas tradition like you said so we'd go up and we'd do a little shtick and that was written, of course. That's
1: like, what I was going to say. Are you still ad living or are you? No, reading? no.
3: And the Christmas show was not ad lib. The Chris, the Hanukkah show, rather, was. We scripted. had acts. We scripted. We, you know, we had music acts. We had our thing kind of worked out. It was, not really scripted, but you know, loose like. <laughs> well, this we would get
2: together, and we said, "All right, we got sixty minutes. How are we going to divide the sixty minutes?" So uh, he's better at math than I am. So he took a little piece of paper on a clipboard, and he said, "Okay." Two minutes introduction. Two minutes. That's very professional. Yeah. Very professional. Then we said, uh, the blessings on the candles, on the Hanukkah candles. Three minutes.
3: So anyway, that's how the show started. (laughs) And we did it for like five or six or seven years. And then we decided we're not going to do it anymore. Just because, A, it was a a lot of work. B, we want to go out on top. (laughs) Oh. You know? Yeah. Uh, But frankly, we are thinking and this is an exclusive to you carrie okay we're <laughs> thinking about reprising it like maybe we'll do one more i call it like the reunion tour the one city jewish guy reunion tour i'm not promising let's do
1: it in the dreamland ballroom
3: a, it's got to be got to be at the clinton center it's two, how many people does the Dreamland same ball amount 300 400 people four hundred really? really and yeah. you
1: could do a fundraiser for the dreamland ballroom Oh, that well. sounds
3: like a quid pro quo. Yes,
1: it does. <laughs> <laughs> it also,
2: well anyway, we'll talk about it. it. Also we, don't sounds, we don't know that we're going to do it. Sounds like pressure. Yeah. It we does. don't know that we're going we to do it. That's
3: how we do it. And I always say this. I always say Phil, who really is a a major force in this town, he won't agree. Well, he'll agree no, quietly. I don't, I don't agree. You don't agree. But <laughs> Phil has a great reputation, an outstanding lawyer, has done a lot of great work for the city, for the civil rights, everything. And, you know, as a Harvard graduate and all this kind of thing. And this is what he's known for, being one of the two
2: Jewish guys. I think that's sad. Oh. (laughs) I think it's um, my crowning achievement.
1: Well, we're going to talk about your crowning achievements. Okay. Because they are many. But before we move on to each of y'all's crowning achievements, because you both had a great career before you became the two Jewish guys, and the reason that that's so popular is because it, it's, it can go viral. And you're speaking to and it's humorous. I mean, people just love that. You make people
2: laugh, they love you. I Not never, everybody loves you. I this.
1: never dated a guy that, I, that didn't make me laugh.
2: You never dated a guy that what? Didn't make me laugh. Yeah, that's important. Oh, it's very
3: but you know, important. There is a lot of, there are some uh, Jewish people in this town who don't like what we do. That's interesting because well, they it. think we stereotype it too much. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, you said this, Leslie. Interesting enough, at least two-thirds of our audience are not Jewish. You went on to say, that really inspires me that they are interested in the religious and cultural part of Judaism. They enjoy a peek into another culture, and they like it.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. I I do feel that that way. And I I think, I mean, that's not why we do it necessarily, but I think we have found a lot of people who really like it and like learning about what Judaism is and what it means and what it's— kind of you know, not at the highest religious levels, culturally mostly. Mm-hmm. But there are some of people in our community, in our faith community, that say, you know, you guys are stereo you know, you're you're feeding into the stereotypes. Because we would do make comments about, you know, buying wholesale and this kind of thing. But frankly, that's what Jewish humor is.
2: You know mm-hmm. self deprecatory. Self deprecatory You're kind
1: of ahead of your time. It's there's a oh, popular always. Netflix. <laughs> always
2: always ahead. oh I'm so proud to be ahead of me yeah track. yeah You're,
1: there's a netflix series now uh i can't remember the name of it of two jewish guys that did really well a comedy act you know what i'm talking
2: about no, no. well I've the kaminsky method is clearly two guys yeah. two jewish guys they are there. one is an actor and the other is there's an, an agent. agent and they're they, they are stereotypically jewish too you can can, it's not hard to tell
1: this is a great place to take a break we come back we'll continue our conversation with and learn more about the two jewish guys leslie singer and phil Kaplan. we won't ask them if they're planning a comeback because we've already found out they are kind of thinking about going back to the clinton center possibly and we will find out about their careers because they both had great careers we'll be back after the break
4: Friends of Dreamland are proud to sponsor Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Dreamland Ballroom, located on the third floor of the Flag and Banner.com building in the historic Taporian Hall, is a nonprofit dedicated to bringing back the music, the history, and the party of the Dreamland Ballroom. Our annual fundraiser, Dancing into Dreamland, will be a tournament of past champions to celebrate the 10th year. Mark Friday, November 15th at 7 p.m. on your calendar. The night will include a dance competition where audience members text their votes for their favorite acts, a silent auction, free hors d'oeuvres, cash bar, and your opportunity to experience the magic and imagine the music of the legends that played on the Dreamland stage, like Ella Fitzgerald, Ray Charles, Louis Armstrong, and many more. Tickets available at dreamlandballroom.org for the 10th annual Dancing into Dreamland. Be a part of the history of Dreamland.
1: You are listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with the smart and witty two Jewish guys, Leslie Singer, Adman, and Phil Kaplan, civil rights attorney extraordinaire. Before the break, we talked about how the two Jewish guys came to fruition, how they, how it started. How long ago was that? Ten years ago? More,
3: maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Fifteen, Almost. probably. Um, At least fifteen years, close to twenty
1: years, and their rise to stardom that they didn't know was going to happen—that probably people in New York City would just Uh, love—and then—and yet
3: we still try to be just your average person, you know. know, I know know. we're so successful at that. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we're we're average. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) can't (laughs) say too
2: much more than that.
1: (laughs) Phil, you grew up in Massachusetts, graduated from Harvard Law, and practiced as a field attorney for the National Labor Relations Board.
2: Well, I went to Harvard College and went to the University of Michigan Law School, and then I worked for the National Labor Relations Board in St. Louis.
1: How'd you go there? How'd you go from Massachusetts to St. Louis?
2: You know, it was something called a job. Just
1: following the job.
2: You're following a job, yes. Thought I ought to use that law degree <laughs> in something that my parents helped pay for. Um, and when you apply for a government position, mm-hmm. Um, you go where they tell you to go. And there was an opening in St. Louis. Turned out to be um, a really uh, wonderful experience. We loved St. Louis. You were married. Yes. I was married halfway through law school, and I sent her to work. Mm-hmm. Well, needed something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. somebody's got gonna... it. So she was a, an elementary school teacher for a while. She's now, I mean, she's now a retired social worker. But um, at that point... Uh, we lived in Ann Arbor. It, it was uh, Ann Arbor was a wonderful town. Couldn't make a living there, but it was a wonderful town. And St. Louis was wonderful. Uh, and wonderful experience also. Worked, learning a lot about employment and labor law. Well, and I got an offer uh, to come to work for a firm here that was then known as McMath, Leatherman, Woods, and Youngdahl. Now the McMath firm, Governor mm-hmm. McMath and then Judge uh, Henry Woods and a man named Leland Leatherman and Jim Youngdahl, who uh, handled the employment work at that firm. And I left after about uh, 13, 14, 15 months, something Mm -hmm. like that, and um, became associated with John Walker in what later became Walker, Kaplan, and Mays.
1: John Walker that just passed away? Mm
2: -hmm. Yes,
1: How did that affect you?
2: Well, we have not been close for several years because uh, that partnership ended almost 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, But nonetheless, we still had associations. We were on opposite sides of a couple of big cases. Um, But I still uh, respected John greatly, and uh, his death is a significant loss for the state.
1: You you were affected by the Central High.
2: Crime. No, I was in college uh, during the Central High business and there was a um, man at Kirkland House where I was uh, who was from Little Rock. And he took a considerable amount of ribbing um, as a result of the closure of, and sending troops in all of the whole terrible uh, business. But before I joined John, uh, there was a, a trial about busing in Little Rock before uh, Judge the late Gordon Young. And I uh, represented a bunch of white parents who uh, were proposing that busing be the alternative to desegregate the schools. At that point, the only... Uh desegregation was freedom of choice, and that resulted in almost no desegregation at all. I mean, it's a, a long history and a long story.
1: You were on several big cases. and well, I want to come back to them, but let's jump over to Leslie now. So, Leslie, before you came to live in Arkansas, you were a successful drummer. Tell us about your career. It was pretty successful. What was the name of your band?
3: Well, I was in several bands as I was growing up, uh, starting in... Like maybe junior high school and through high school but uh the two bands that sort of took me the to places that were the most unusual was um, a, a group called the unloved which was a soul band this is prior to the bigger band unloved the unloved l-u-v apostrophe as, as, <laughs> d as was the fashion back there in the you know this was a soul band and it was a very good band we had a we really thought we were going to make it. We had a big manager, who had, and a big musical attorney in New York named Warren Trube, and we had a secret under-the-table partner, which is you know remember Paola and all that kind of thing. We had this wasn't Paola, but there was a guy in New York named Scott Muni, who was a major uh, radio DJ, and FM had just started. That's how old this is. And Scott Muni was a secret partner with our, our manager, Paul Minio, and we had these two women who wrote songs for us, both of whom had, had hit records like with Wilson Pickett and other people, and this was going to be it. Yeah. And we just knew it, and it wasn't, which just <laughs> never happened, you know. Uh, We played a lot of great clubs. We actually opened once at, like, a Miss New York State contest. We opened for James Brown, if you can believe that. This was a good band. We played at the Peppermint Lounge and, you know, all that good kind of cool stuff. But we never made it big. But it it was almost beside the point because it's the late 60s. You're in New York. You're in the rock and roll business. You know, it wasn't going to get much better than that for kids our age. Left that band. I was sort of recruited to another band called The Unspoken Word, which went to school up at Brown University and Rhode Island School of Design up near mm-hmm. where you were. They were like a more of a, they had a woman lead singer. Her name was Dee Dee. And they were more like psych rock, you know, psych, like psych, not psychedelic, but quietly, you know, ethereal. And, and they were really good. So we got a great recording contract with them with Atka, which is in Atlantic Records. And uh, we did this first album, which was a concept album called Tuesday, April nineteenth.
1: And you know, people don't know what concept album. Well, concept means.
3: album means that there was like a story behind it. It wasn't just you know, fourteen songs or something. There was more to it. There was a story. Frankly, there really wasn't. We were trying to make more out of it than it really what was. What was the name of the album? It was called Tuesday, April nineteenth, which was meant to be just a day in the life of this person. I never because really understood because it's a story. Because it's a story. Now yeah. it doesn't really read like a story of anybody's day. It it frankly doesn't. But this was the '60s, man. You could just say anything and do it. And
1: anything. Bob Dylan was writing all these ballads. Yeah, and
3: these long things. And then we had so then, that was well received. Um, but then we uh, that wasn't really us. It, we received we thought, by whom? By the <laughs> by local. It was on the radio. Yeah. You know, and and it got good reviews. You know, As by my different music. say. Never heard of it. Never heard. Well, most people never heard of it. Those who did liked it. <laughs>
1: that, How do you say never heard of it in Yiddish?
2: No.
3: How do you say that?
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we did it. A, a it was a fancy album. It had a big orchestra and everything because we said this might be the only album we do. Let's make it significant. Strings. But it really wasn't us.
2: Strings you had.
3: Yeah, big orchestra, strings really? and everything. Yeah. Brass. The whole, every instrument, Phil. Literally every <laughs> instrument, timpani, everything. Timpani, so, timpani, even. Did and you have the,
1: the little triangle?
3: We had the triangles. We had cymbals. We had the tuba. Did you, you have know? a gong? We had a oboe. We had a gong.
1: No, you did not. I
3: don't think we had a gong, but we could have had a gong <laughs> if there was a gong part. <laughs> anyway, we did that, and so it didn't really. So, but really, we were really not that kind of a band. We were a really kind of a hard-driving blues band. And so our next album, just simply called The Unspoken Word, was that. It did better? It did better. And a matter of fact, it got reviewed in Rolling Stone magazine and Mm -hmm. got a great review in Rolling Stone magazine. I mean, they really liked it. And uh, so we toured around with that, but still never really made it. I've tried to create this. I haven't really tried. I thought about trying to create this buzz about this album which is available, by the way, like on eBay and Spotify. You can hear it in different places.
1: Tuesday, April.
3: Tuesday, April 19th.
1: By I mean, which the was, unspoken By the word. unspoken
3: word, which was just a random date that I actually came up with just off the top of my head. But what happened was Tuesday, April 19th, several years later, was the Waco massacre. Remember when Waco David and that whole... Com- was Dor- David Koresh. David Koresh and, the, and the, mm-hmm. that communal group got, you know... And then... A couple of years later was the Oklahoma City bombing. I which cannot was believe those were on the same two days. Two, well, I think they were related to each other. I think the Oklahoma City bo- bombing was in as a result of the Waco thing. In other words, somebody was saying, oh. I'm going to celebrate, you know. Celebrating. Yeah, celebrated. So I've tried to create this. I've, I've, I've fantasized about creating a, an artificial buzz about how if you listen to the unspoken word Tuesday, April 19th album, there's all these hints that some big stuff was coming down. Would that be fake buzz? That's fake buzz, we call that. <laughs> so, but it wasn't. I mean, it's because you can project anything into anything.
1: Phil said it's because you have to play the, the, the album backwards. backwards.
3: Yeah, you don't have to, but literally these two albums are still, they're on, you, you know, I think you can get them on Amazon or you, I know somebody re-released them as I'm gonna CDs. go listen.
1: Yeah, they're pretty good.
3: They hold up. They held. one is a very- miss playing ver- the drums? Yes, a little. Not, you
1: don't play at all anymore? Not
3: much. Every once in a while I sit in. How's but your I, hearing? I don't have any hearing problems, but it ta- I've lost some of my drumming chops. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like not speaking a language. You know, If you don't speak it for a long time, you sort of lose it. But I think I could get it back, but I don't really want to. I'm into other things these days.
2: Don't ask me what I'm in. eating. He's, he's, <laughs> you can tell by looking at him and he walking down the street, he's got rhythm. Oh, yeah, I, He's I got swagger. Because his hands are going in a different way than his feet. Yeah. You know, and his head's going one way, well, and his hands are going another way. You call way. that swagger? I and that's what that's, a drummer has to do. A drummer has to have yeah, the ability to have one rhythm going in one hand and different on the other hand and yeah. something on his foot.
3: They have names for that. You know, like it's called bass drum independence. You know, like your oh, really? foot, your right foot has to do... But you have to practice. It's not like you can just do it, you know. I mean, you have to practice, mm-hmm. like, being... Accurate. So, anyway... All in all, a very, very fun musical career, which basically determined the whole pathway of my life, because the band got me to Arkansas. The band.
1: How got did me. it do that?
3: Well, we were, we were getting ready to write the second album, and a friend of mine in New York had met a communal group that was living in Arkansas.
1: Very popular at the time.
3: Yes, and he said, "Why don't you guys come down to Arkansas and live with us?" Mm-hmm. for a month or so, and write your album down there. And that just sounded like the coolest thing ever. So we did. and we came down, and we wrote the album, and then we went back to New York.
1: So you went back to New York? I went
3: back to New York, but then came back down to Arkansas. Because you cause fell in I love liked, or something? Because I
1: liked it here. Oh, you just liked it here. I you said liked. when you went back to New York, you sold you sold shoes. Oh, yes, yeah, so that's
3: great. <laughs> so here I am, Mr. Big Shot Musician, Uh, At the top of my musical career, I go back to New York. I had already not only been a musician, but I had gone into advertising, sort of got hired at an ad agency. When I left this communal group after about three years, I got a job with an ad agency. The woman I was married to at the time, she was from New York also, and we thought we missed it. Mm -hmm. So we moved back to New York. Well, I couldn't get a job in New York in advertising. No way, because here I am from Little Rock, you know, and, and it was the recession. And the only job I could get was selling women's shoes in Bergdorf Goodman, which is a high-end. High-end. High-end mm-hmm. Fifth high Avenue, end. you know. But I was terrible shoe salesman, I was terrible. But I did sell shoes to Greta Garbo. That's the highlight no. of my, yeah, absolutely. Size nine, Papagallo, flat. <laughs> and, and I,
1: I never, I'll never knew, knew that, forget Leslie, it.
3: you
2: didn't tell me. Well, I don't,
3: you don't know everything, Phil, you
2: don't know everything, <laughs> Well, I now everybody else knows. Yeah, everybody
3: knows. knows. So. I stayed there nine months, and I wrote to my boss here in Little Rock, and I said, could I have my job back? He said, absolutely, come on back. I'll give you a raise. We'll give you this. We'll give you that. And and so I came back, and I've been here now like 45 years. Wow. And I like you know, love it here.
1: Top that, Phil Kaplan. Yeah, Phil Kaplan.
2: I Would can't. you sell
3: shoes to Mr. Harvard? I
1: can't. Mr. Harvard University. But Mr. Harvard I College. I will say this. College.
2: You know, my father was a kosher butcher, so I worked in the butcher shop. I never never cut a piece of meat. I was My gonna brother say, you've did got that. your fingers. What'd you do? I cleaned. <laughs> I was a cleaner. <laughs> you had to have you had to be clean, right? In a butcher shop? Sure. Charming. And so then they made they made kosher delicacies like knishes and kreplach and kishka. You know kishka? No. You don't know kishke? kishka? Kishka. Kishka is called Sausage? in English it's called stuffed derma.
1: That's that's skin. Yeah. Well it's 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 a sausage.
2: Yes, it's like a sausage, yes. And only so, worse. Yes, only <laughs> uh, you still yeah, eat that? And, and you know do you eat it? Do yeah, you, you, you still eat,
1: eat that? Do you yeah, still you eat it? Yeah, you cook
2: it and you eat it. And it's about the worst thing oh. you can have for a heart condition. You <laughs> know. It is um and I think maybe it. I had a stent put in about a year ago. I think it caught up with from the me. <laughs> from the Kishka. From the Kishka. Yeah. It's called the Kishka stent. Yeah. But Kanishas, you know Kanishas? You don't even know Kanishas. I don't. You see, this is sad. We have to educate you. Well, this her. is what
3: the two Jewish guys in the Christmas show or the Hanukkah show would talk about. we talk about Kanishas and the foods we ate. You know what I used to eat? I used to eat, well, maybe this is a, tell me if this is a certain thing boiled chicken's feet. You ever yeah. Eat that? No,
1: but I know. You like, know people that do. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a Southern thing, I think. Yeah. Or, well, chi- or an Asian thing. I think they eat that a lot in Asia. Yeah.
3: Well, you know, that was one of the things. How about so.
1: this one? Bissel. Bissel. That
3: well, yeah, uh-huh. means a little.
1: So you could eat a little. Little kishka. Bissel kishka. Bissel yeah, kishka. Yeah. A Bissel kishka is about Yiddish. all that you want to eat. I speak now. You speak Yiddish. You don't want to
2: take too much more. All right. Let's take
1: a break. Oh, you got something else to say? No. Come on. No. Come on.
3: Come, come on. Bring boy. it, Phil.
2: T- tell them about
3: your cross-dressing thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to let too many people know about that. Okay.
3: We'll take a break
2: then.
1: No. Tell <laughs> we won't. me. won't. No, we won't. Tell me.
2: <laughs> cross-dressing? Yeah. No. <laughs> That's... that's Leslie that's not Leslie that's not Leslie it's a little joke It's just a joke it's It's a missile joke that's That's a missile joke yeah (laughs) (laughs) all
1: right we're gonna take a break when we come back we'll continue our conversation with the retired but still very interesting and funny
5: KUAR's two Jewish guys Leslie
1: Singer and Phil Kaplan
5: Arkansas Flag and Banner is proud to underwrite Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy McCoy began this broadcast with the intention of offering a mentoring platform for those with an entrepreneurial spirit. Through candid conversations and interesting interviews with business and community-minded Arkansans, listeners gain insight into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Carrie McCoy, founder and president of Arkansas Flag and Banner, believes in paying knowledge and experience forward and developed this radio show as a means of doing so. The biographies, life experiences, and wisdom of her guests would likely go unheard if not for this venue. Rarely do people open up for an hour to an audience about their life mistakes, triumphs, and pitfalls. This unique radio show allows the listener intimate access into the stories of prominent leaders in our state. I'm Adrienne McNally, manager of the Arkansas Flag and Banner Showroom and Gift Shop, located on the first floor of the historic Deborian Hall on the corner of 9th and State Streets in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. In business for 43 years, we offer an old school shopping experience with front door parking, clerks to help you, and department store variety. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 530, and Saturday, 10 to 4.
1: You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Kerry McCoy, and we're just laughing it up back here. I'm speaking today with the smart, witty, two Jewish guys, Leslie Singer, Adman, and Phil Kaplan, civil rights attorney. So before the break, we talked about Phil cross-dressing. Then we talked about Leslie cross-dressing, and then we found out that they really don't cross-dress.
3: And no. not that there's anything wrong public. with that.
1: Not in public. Not anyway. in, no,
3: in the privacy of one's home. There you and go. And there's nothing wrong with that. I Absolutely. don't want to be smirched cross-dressers.
1: That's right. You're right. You're right. So um, let's go back to Phil. You came to Little Rock. You had some huge cases.
2: Well, but the first one was I got a call from uh, Judge J. Smith Henley, who was one of, at that time, only two federal judges in Little Rock. He had two prior prison cases, one involving the strap and one involving the Tucker Telephone tucker telephone do you know what that was Mm -hmm. yeah i do Mm -hmm. yeah well that was a a method of punishment uh more torture of uh, it involved tucker uh, attaching electrodes uh, electrodes to one's genitalia oh no well yes that's what that's That's a real story that is a true story what year was this Well, it was 1964 or five. Oh, we've come a long way, baby. (laughs) Maybe. So at any rate, but he had had lots of uh, uh, petitions, prisoner petitions stacked up, and he wanted to do something about it. So he called me, and he called Jack Holt Jr. And Jack Holt Jr. uh, was a pretty well-known criminal defense lawyer. You know, Jack then became the Chief Justice of the Arkansas Supreme Court. So, um, at any rate, he called us. He said he wanted somebody with some civil rights experience and he wanted somebody who was a real lawyer. And he, Jack was the real lawyer uh, who understood um, that these prisoners um, were a particular group that he said I might not be familiar with. At any rate, so we um, we embarked on uh, a trial we went down to the prison at that time um, the arkansas legislature appropriated zero dollars for the arkansas penitentiary system it was all self-supporting there were no prison guards that carried guns only inmates carried guns and you know you you seem surprised i am
1: surprised
2: that's, yeah, what do you that's mean that's
3: inmates? It, you mean inmates were acting as guards?
2: They manned the guard towers. The inmates did. Yeah, and they had rifles. Yeah. And, Why didn't they and, just
1: shoot everybody and leave?
2: Well, they would shoot if you, if you tried to leave. They would shoot you. Oh. You're not supposed to leave, so yeah. that was their directive. Those were
1: some good inmates that they didn't just get up uh, and leave. And uh,
2: so, it, I mean, it was a, it was a dark and, and dreadful place. And after um, a couple of trials or a couple of um, several sessions, actually, most of the sessions were about a week long, and we would call these prisoners up from the Cummins prison farm, and um, the judge declared the whole prison system unconstitutional. So Jack and I then, in follow-up litigation, we spent more time in prison than most inmates. Most inmates... You know, we were there three or four years. Jack and I were there 10 years or so.
1: Interviewing people?
2: Yeah, well, we interviewed people. Then we finally were able to get some young lawyers, uh, law students, to help us with the interviewing.
1: So Uh, it took 10 years?
2: I'll tell you, the the case never really got settled until uh, Bill Clinton became the attorney general. And he said... We've got to put an end to this terrible litigation. We're going to settle it, and he did.
1: Was it a good outcome, I guess? It
2: was, a, it was a good outcome, except that prisons are always, well, they are, I guess, the most unmanageable of societal institutions. They're just not prone to the same kind of uh, systemic solutions that... And they're not sexy
1: to work on. I mean, who wants to work on those? Who wants to go, okay, I'm working on solving the prison system, but they need
2: to. There are people who are are hard at work at it, but it requires a a very special, dedicated kind of person. At any rate, (laughs) one of the funny things was that although uh, Dale Bumpers was a great governor, uh, he hired to run the prisons... He hired a couple of people from Texas, which had a prison system worse than ours, if that's possible. The, the prison systems in the South that had prison farms, uh, Parchment in Louisiana, um, Mississippi had a prison farm system. They were terrible, these people who came up from Texas. They were awful, but Clinton put an end to that. and. Uh, decided he would uh, prepare a settlement, and we we settled it.
1: You had two other ones. You argued against the teaching of creation in the Arkansas public schools. I mean, both of those are big policy changers. And then you had another one I think our listeners might be interested in. It's the one where you were the lead counsel for the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville and the Board of Trustees in a lawsuit, Nolan Richardson versus Sugg in 2006.
2: Right. Well, that was when the university fired... Uh, Nolan Richardson who was the head basketball coach at the time
1: and beloved by the state of Arkansas well except for that time people except by that time
2: he was losing so you're always loved when you're a winner Mm -hmm. you ain't so much loved when you're a loser so
1: he said some disparaging remark didn't he he did what was it or can you repeat Uh, it I don't even remember it,
2: it was it had to do with recruiting you know now he's back in the good graces and they've n- named the court and after no. him john walker the late john walker represented nolan and i represented the university and it you won a, we won yeah no yeah Bill will always win i don't always win you win all the time you know mm-hmm. if a lawyer tells you that they win all their cases he either doesn't handle any cases <laughs> or he's lying because no. you can't win every case um it's just not possible but I did win that case, and we won the Creation Science case, too.
3: You win the big cases.
2: I won the big ones. The, yeah.
1: policy, the policy changers. The big, I mean, those are some big no, policy this changes. Is what, what, what were y'all's family life like? Were they the similar? Were y'all's families growing up similar? I think
2: somewhat mm. similar. Yeah. Growing up, you mean? hmm I had a brother who's deceased now, my late brother. My parents were immigrants. Both of them came right after the First World War. And their fathers, both my mother's father and my father's father, came right before the war. And then the war broke out and they were unable to leave. And they came from my father from what is now Lithuania but was then uh, probably Poland or Russia. The lines changed. My mother, she had family in Latvia and Russia.
1: What language did they speak
2: in the house well they quickly spoke english but they spoke yiddish in the house and my my father's parents um spoke yiddish their whole life my grandmother my mother's mother had a little a uh, store where she sold women's hosiery and corsets and um other uh, women's undergarments so she she spoke english she had to
1: What's the word for undergarments?
2: I have no idea. Yes, you do. Oh, I yes, have you it written do. here.
1: I have oh. it written here somewhere.
2: Oh. Um come on. Let me see. Underspoken. Unterkleider. Um Uh oh
1: here. Untersocken. Underthings. Pull up your britches. Your untersocken are showing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're showing. Well. Is that am I saying it right? Close. Well probably. Probably. That's what but, it looks like. <laughs> because it's not a word that I commonly I'm use. I'm surprised
1: you don't, your grandmother didn't use Yeah, it we're going all the back
2: time. to that whole <laughs> well, cross dress. My father thing used again, to say, corsets. Oh, she my father said used don't to my say, Oh, is he your uh, mother? used What's that? Gotgas were oh, yeah. underwear. Yeah. Oh. Uh,
1: well, let me tell something? you
3: about, let me just interject because I have a story that relates to that. And you're talking about, first of all, you were talking about St. Louis, and then you were talking about where your parents came from. My father was born in St. Louis and moved to Poland.
1: That's backwards.
3: How Polish is that? (laughs) It was actually brilliant. His parents, who were from Poland, came to this country. His mother gave birth to him in this country. They came here legally, gave birth to him in this country, so now he's a citizen, took him back to Poland, where he was raised until he was about 18 years old, and then he was allowed to bring them back oh, as a citizen. Oh, that was brilliant. So, and my parents, they were, they, my grandparents on, on my dad's side were uh, in the tailor business. Their name wasn't Singer. Their name was Plotz, P-L-A-T-Z, which is a pretty common Polish name, but not a very nice sounding American name. But everywhere in their store was Singer sewing machine equipment. The calendar said Singer, and the equipment said Singer, and this said they just said this has got to be a great American name. We're going to change our name to Singer. So I'm actually named after the sewing machine.
1: <laughs> what was their original name? Did you? Plots. Plots.
2: P L A T Z. Plots. Yeah, and Plots is a Yiddish word too. It means, means fall down. <laughs> to, right? Well, to die. Yeah. Oh, oh he plots. Yeah. can well, Plotsen from us? You, you could die from this. Well, yeah, you could die from you yeah, could Plots.
3: So, uh, and then my my other side of the family came from uh, russia ukraine actually now they were in the hand laundry business so we came from you know pretty modest stock my father was a house painter you know and uh my mother just nobody
1: in your family played drums or music
3: nobody just got it you i just got well i'll tell you the story real quickly i've told this story before because i think it's fascinating i can trace my life up to this very minute sitting here with you from the day just prior to my fifth birthday in Cleveland, Ohio, where we lived for a couple of years, going to a, to a department store with my mom and seeing a toy set of drums, you know, up on a shelf and saying, Ooh, I want that. And the next thing, uh, a couple of weeks later, a big old box comes to the apartment and it says, Do not open until November 19th, which was my birthday. And inside was this little toy set of drums. So, of course, I loved them, and I would just knock around on them. I didn't know how to really play them, but I loved them. Comes the third, now we, we're in New York on Long Island, comes the third grade. Who wants to be in the band? I raise my hand. I say, well, I'm, I know how to play the drums, hmm. you know, which I, and so I'll be in the band. Well, the, like I mentioned earlier, playing the drums took, has taken me throughout my whole life, you know. It got me through, I earned my living through college that way, i made all my friends that way i met all my wives that way <laughs> and uh literally and um moved to arkansas because of that and here i am you know 76 years later or 70 70 years because it was my fifth birthday uh because of that one day uh, you know coming across a drum set
1: you never know
3: you don't know you know i could have not gone with my mother that day and i might still be selling shoes in Bergdorf Goodman. <laughs>
1: Uh, You're also an author. You have a really weird hobby, Leslie.
3: I'm not. (laughs) In fact, uh,
1: I brought the book.
3: I am an author in the sense that I have two books published, but I don't consider myself an author. Although I am a writer in the
2: sense of being a copywriter. You
1: are a copywriter. That's what you did as an ad man. Right. Did you ever write a book, Phil? You should.
2: Never. You should. My kids and my wife want me to write a book about my life. You should. Uh, um, I'm hesitant to do it. For one, You could thing, just
1: dictate it. Well, I'm not
2: a great writer. I'd so have dictate to have it. Somebody. Well, maybe I will one day. Well, my book is
3: mostly Look. pictures.
2: Yeah, Zap. zap. Now, Ra-
1: I bought this from you. You did? Ten years ago. Oh, you're the person. <laughs> <laughs> when you had a show. Tell everybody what it's a book of. Nobody well, knows I, what we're talking
3: I about. Well, as a kid, I was a space cadet. I was really into space... Uh, cadets and all that kind of a thing and had a lot of ray guns so i decided to collect vintage toy ray guns and um so i did it a
1: was before the internet how did you find out all this stuff about them how did you oh, do all I this used to research go to
3: antique shows all over the country it was prior to the internet that's right
1: that's what i told somebody when you were coming on i showed him this book i said This doesn't look like a lot to you now because you've got the internet, but before you you had the internet... You had
3: to go... I found every one of those guns just like in an antique. I used to travel around the country looking for space toys. That was a hobby of mine. And my second (laughs) book, which just came out last year, is called Do You Read Me? That one's called Zap. The Do You Read Me? is a similar style book, mostly photographs, no real... It's a
1: coffee table book. It's a
3: coffee... Yeah. And um, it's about vintage communication toys, like walkie-talkies, old, that didn't work, just had string or wire, nothing that really broadcast. But uh, basically, I love the look of it. You know, it's very kind of deco and retro-futuristic, and it's all about imagination, and that's kind of where my, where my deal is
1: from. We've got a few minutes left. Let's do, let's do a vocabulary, Yiddish word, vocabulary test.
3: Yeah, let's do that.
1: Dremel.
2: Dremel, dremel is a little tool that you. <laughs> a little <laughs> Dremel <dribble drip.
1: laughs> tool. These are these are bonus rounds because they're hard. These are obscure words. Dremel. Mm-hmm. It's a nap.
3: A
2: nap? Have you ever heard of a nap called a yeah, Dremel? Yeah. Yes. It it just means it's it's a word for sleeping. Ge schlafen. Schl- is um, the actual word. Go, go, but get, I think Dremel That's mean, what my
3: grandma used to say to me, who also spoke Yiddish primarily and who I used to understand. I used to listen to Yiddish comedy with her on the radio and could
2: understand it. Yeah, she'd okay. always say, Gay, So if I said to my father or to my mother, there's nothing to do, and they would say, okay, kluk, klup, klup, und, Go hit your head against the wall. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's, that's good. <laughs> Give us another one. So, uh,
1: all right. Uh, Malachae.
2: No, you can't say it because I have no idea what that is. Molake means work. Harvard is work.
1: Just one hour of this molake, and I get to head home.
3: Oh, it's probably like BS or something like that. No,
2: I so know. I've work? never heard that. Uh, Where did you oh, get these off
3: from? Off the internet. Here, This is fake news on the internet. It kind of looks yeah.
0: from across the table. That kind of looks like something that sounds like malarkey. Maybe it does sound yeah. like malarkey, but, but it's not, not really. No. But, it
1: com- but malarkey, I think, comes from that. Let's uh,
0: see. Oh, Mishpoka? Yeah, mishpocha is family. Yeah.
3: yeah, that's a that's a popular word. Uh, Minch. I feel like Minch. everybody knows Minch what that is, is, is a big word. Minch, yeah. 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 a man of or a woman of great honor. I'm just reading the ones that I didn't recognize. Mashugana. Yeah, crazy.
2: But schmack, that's what y'all schmack. are, Meshuganah. There's
1: we your are. gift. We're about to leave. <laughs> oh, thank you. What? This is from my the to Jewish God.
3: That's very
2: nice. Look at that. Phil,
1: you get one oh, too. Wow. It's a desk set. Oh, thank a desk you. set.
2: Excelsior. i oh, put this What's on my What's that blue desk? one, I wonder? This one. What's that it one? Says flag Excelsior. Of New York,
0: flag
1: of New York. Which
0: really only meant to be for one of you, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The other one's <laughs>
1: supposed to get Michigan.
0: Ma- I'm Massachusetts.
1: Well, thank you. All right. I love seeing you guys. This was a lot of
3: fun, Carrie. Come on there
1: with me will you how about
3: next week okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay uh thanks again for joining me and my guests for those listeners who might have a great entrepreneurial story they'd like to share send a brief bio and your contact info to carrie at flagandbanner.com and and someone will be in touch to all my listeners thank you for spending time with us we hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it whatever it is will help you up your business your independence or your life i'm carrie mccoy and i'll see you next time on up in your business until then be brave
0: You've been listening to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guest. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Subscribe to podcasts wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple to help you live the American dream.